0: are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress.
1: I want to pray for you today that the Word of the Lord would impact you. I believe there are those in this place that are desperate for the Lord, and I pray that the Word of God would find good ground today. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your goodness. God, we feel your love. Many of us feel your love in this place. We feel, we sense it, God, through the emotions that we feel. We feel, God, washed in your presence. We feel loved in your presence. God, and I pray for those who maybe are looking for you or they're looking for something real in their life. They're looking for something to bring strength and to bring help and to bring peace. I'm praying today that they would hear the word of God. They would have faith and believe what your word says and that you would accomplish a work in this place that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit alone. God, we give you praise. We give you glory in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, Paul writes to this young pastor, and he says, Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. Which some, having rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. And I want to preach this morning on the subject, shipwrecked faith. Shipwrecked faith. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things. You must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I would submit this morning that faith is not a feeling. Faith is a perspective. Faith is not an experience. Faith is a possession. Romans chapter twelve three says, For I say, though the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one. A measure of faith. Something you possess, something you have. We are people of faith. The reason we gather together in the house of the Lord is because we're a people who possess faith. 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we're gathered here today, because we possess faith. We possess an outlook on life that says, I choose faith even though I see circumstances a certain way. And because faith is a possession, the word says that we have the ability to determine the location of our faith. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 5.12, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. They had faith in possession and they cast it off. He wrote then to Timothy and he said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They've left the faith, that possession behind, they strayed from it, In 1 Timothy chapter 119, Paul begins this idea of the faith. He says, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. They've shipwrecked their faith. Now, I'm going to dive into this subject a little bit, a subject that I really don't know a whole lot about. I've never commandeered a ship. I have used to have a little boat. Thank you, Brother Bill Gardner. And uh, I just used the motor on the back to steer. So that's about as big of a boat as I've ever driven. There is an article that I want to f- reflect on concerning this idea of driving a ship and try to connect the dots on how we can shipwreck our faith in this article by Keona Smith Strickland they say storms at sea are dreadful experiences anybody ever been in a storm anybody ever been in a storm at sea or been in a storm on a lake We're in a river. Those towering walls of water driven by powerful winds. You've probably seen a movie or you've probably seen footage of these type of storms that begin to slam into ships. And a major storm can batter even the largest of vessels. And really... They are unavoidable. If you're going to be on a ship, Fred Pickard, a chief meteorologist at Ocean Weather Services, said if a ship is in the ocean, you're going to have heavy weather. So the question isn't whether you're going to face the storm, it's what are you going to do with the storm. And so there are four things that Keona Strickland says You have to use three things or four things you need to do if you're going to survive a storm and avoid shipwreck. He said, first, understand the weather. If you want to avoid disaster, steer clear of hurricanes. Sounds good. Now, centuries ago, that was not as possible. Weather updates at sea were limited, and uh, there were only so many things that could be done. And then technology progressed, and there were other ways that people could, captains of ships could, understand the weather and understand what was happening. We've got my friend, pilot uh, Ken Janella here today. He's dressed up as a pilot for us for this particular illustration. Just kidding. He just flew in this morning, and he's flying back out This afternoon. But they've got technology now that can help you understand weather patterns. And so the first thing that you are to do in these scenarios is understand the weather and try to avoid the weather. The second thing they say to do is to stabilize the ship. Modern-day ships use a ballast system, and the most dangerous part of a ship in a hurricane is when it's empty, when it doesn't have anything holding it steady. And so they'll put weight in the bottom of the ship. They'll even fill it with water to weight it down to try to stabilize. The whole point is to stabilize the ship in rough weather. The third thing that they do, if there's really not many options left they they look to anchor the ship. cargo ships don't always head for the nearest port though they they realize that it's got to be a certain type of port. They, they can't just put it anywhere. They actually uh, uh, look for what's known as a hurricane hole, a place where it, it, it'll, it'll be more stable. So they'll look for maybe a port that has a cliff that blocks... The wind from blowing, and then they'll anchor that ship, and they'll they'll look to to provide slack in the anchor chain to prevent it from uh the chain from being too tight and snapping. And so they look to stabilize and then they look to anchor the ship. And uh a former sea captain, Max Hardberger, he said this once you've done those things and you're at anchor there's not much else you can do except just hope and pray. But finally, there is one more option that this particular article states that some have to do, and that's simply face the storm. In the teeth of the storm, a ship's survival depends on two things, sea room and steering way. And so they look to steer the ship and position it so that they're coming head first with those waves that are coming in because if they get sideways, it will flip them and they just simply face the storm. So when we consider our spiritual life, we talked a little bit last week about the fact that we face some storms. You're not going to really be able to live life very long without storms. You're going to face up and down scenarios in your life. And I want to admonish us today that we have to seek to avoid shipwreck of our faith. In order to avoid shipwreck of our faith, I would submit the same four things. That first, you have to understand the weather. You have to understand what's going on. We talked about that last week, but let me remind us that we have to understand the days and times that we live in. Acts chapter 14, 21, verse 21, it begins, and when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue In the faith. And saying we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. That you're going to have to understand the climate that we live in. Because we're Christians, because we've chosen to serve Christ, we're going to face persecution. We're going to face trials. We're going to face circumstances. And in Ephesians, it would say that look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are are evil. Understand that we live in evil days. They're not really going to get any better. If you're hoping for someone to solve the the problems in our society, you're you're probably going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed by what you don't see happening. The days are evil. You've got to understand the climate in which we live. And Peter wrote, be sober-minded, be watchful. Understand the climate. Somebody say amen. amen. Second, you've got to stabilize the ship. You've got to stabilize. Things get tossed. Things get moved. Things you once thought were stable in your life in a storm can all of a sudden cause things to be shifting. Yeah. And so you've got to, you've got to stabilize it. Jude wrote, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which once was delivered for all the saints. And Paul warned the Ephesians church. He used this idea in Ephesians 4.14. He said that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Can I help you today in your walk with God? Even though you're going through a storm, you've got to be doctrinally sound. It's a stabilizing factor in your life when things start to shift one way or another and you, you get to rocking and things start moving. It's the doctrine. It's your belief, your understanding of who Jesus is, your understanding of what he's done for you on the cross that stabilized you so you're not thrown to and fro and tossed about with every wind of doctrine. So you got to stabilize the ship. Third, you've got to anchor the ship. There's some experiences in your life, some things you're going to go through, some things you're going to face that all you've got to do, all you can do is just anchor the ship. All you can do is just anchor it in and hold on. Acts chapter 6, 7, then the word of the Lord spread, and the number of the disciples multitude greatly in Jerusalem, and a great, number, a great many of the priests were just simply obedient to the faith. They were just obedient to the faith. The writer of Hebrews said it like this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence beyond the veil. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Sometimes in the storms of life, you just anchor on to Jesus Christ. You you can't come up with the right answers. You can't come up with anything but simply obeying what God has told you to obey and say, Jesus, I'm holding on you got to anchor the ship. And finally, there are some circumstances that you just face the storm head on. You just face it head on. The winds are blowing. They're howling. They're coming at you, and you face the storm. Paul said at the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Sometimes it's just riding out the storm. The only way to really ride out the storm is you need Jesus in the boat. You need Jesus in the boat, you need Him to speak peace to the storm. So Paul wrote, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. Paul uses his own life experience of shipwreck to describe those who have a faith crisis. Paul, we know, had at least three, maybe four shipwrecks in his life. And in Luke, or in Acts chapter 27, Luke describes in great detail one of the shipwrecks that Paul experienced. And I want to conclude with this today, and I want you to hear me. Paul is being transported to Rome, he is traveling with Roman soldiers, and he's traveling with other criminals. He has been given some freedom, unlike the other criminals, because he hasn't been finally convicted. He's being tried. He's in the middle of a trial, and he's gotten in good with some of the leaders, and so he's given some freedom on this particular ship. They travel to many stops. They stop in places, but they have to get off, and they have to get back on to the boat they find ships that are kind of going towards rome and one particular ship that he's put on is alexandria and it's a ship sailing to egypt or from egypt to rome there were 276 people on this boat including paul and luke who wrote about the experience As a side note, when you're reading the book of Acts, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. And at the beginning of Luke, he's writing uh, as, as if it's happening to people. He's writing about Peter. He's writing about the day of Pentecost. He's writing about those things. But by the time you get to Luke chapter 27, you realize that Luke now has inserted himself in the story. He is actually in the boat with Paul. And so, we realize there are prisoners now on this ship from Egypt. There are prisoners. There are Roman soldiers on this ship. There's a centurion, the captain of the army. And there's sailors. This was a grain freighter. This was taking grain grown in Egypt and taking it to Italy. And according to scholars, this boat was about 140 feet long and 36 feet wide. It had one mast that had a big square sail, and instead of what we would think of as a rudder, it had two paddles on the back of the ship that helped bring it sturdy against the wind. But because of its design, it couldn't sail into the wind. And as they were sailing, and they began to take their journey, the wind began to pick up, making it almost impossible for them to go where they wanted to go. Days went by, and they were making no progress. And in Acts chapter 27, verse 10, Paul said to this group, he said, "'Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster.'" And much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. They wanted to port. They wanted to go to the harbor, but it wasn't suitable for them to do so. So they kept sailing. Sailing. Then a wind started to pick up and begin to move across. And this wind they called Euroclidon. And because their ship was not equipped to face the wind, the Bible says that the captain let the wind drive the ship. And as they were driven... They found some relief along some cliffs and they secured the skiff or the small boat that was attached to the side of the ship. They secured it and they brought it into the boat. Trying to secure everything, they put up the sails and they let the wind drive them. But it was relentless. So they decided that they would try to lighten the ship. They tried to control the tossing and the turning of the boat. And so they began to throw things overboard, one after another. But the storm wasn't letting up. They were in darkness for days. The wind constantly howling. They had not eaten anything for days. They had reached a breaking point, and the Bible says they had given up hope. In the middle of the storm, though, Paul has a moment with God, and an angel visits him in the night and tells him, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that God, that, that I believe God that it will be just as he has told me. And Paul told them, however, we must run aground on a certain island. And on the 14th night of this storm of being tossed up and down, the sailors sensed that they were getting close to land. They used a method to measure the distance. And they measured once and they were 120 feet away. They measured again and they were 90 feet away. And they understood they're getting close to hitting land. And they became afraid. And so they dropped four anchors into the sea. And what was interesting, the Bible says that when they dropped the four anchors, they prayed for day to come. You ever been there? You ever been there where you faced everything, you keep searching for answers, The clouds keep rolling in. The wind just keeps blowing. It keeps howling. You've done everything. You've thrown the anchors. You've thrown things off the ship. You've thrown kids out of the house. You've done everything you know to do. But the wind just keeps howling. And you're just praying for day to come. So, Scripture tells us that these sailors, see, these sailors, they, they were just there to deliver grain. They had nothing to do with the soldiers. They were just taking the ship where it needed to go. They said, you know what, we're going to get off this boat and we're going to make our way to land. And so they began to grab the skiff. They began to grab that small little boat and they were going to take it. And they 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 kind of used the the idea of throwing anchors over to ch- try to trick everybody to think they were throwing more anchors over when in fact they were throwing the boat over so that they could get in the boat and escape to land. But I find it kind of humorous that Paul, I don't know that the Lord told him this, but Paul was like, no, tell them that if they get off the ship that, and he's talking to the centurion, he says, tell them that if they get off the ship, you're not going to survive. So the centurion calls that boat back up, put it back, you guys stay right here. because That centurion was not about to lose his life. He said, we're in this together. And so they actually threw that boat back into the water, and they cut it free. And Paul then tells everybody, and it's just interesting to see Paul in this moment. He's a prisoner of sorts, but man, he is running this ship. He says, therefore I urge you now to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. This happens. This confidence happens when you have a word from God. That's the only way that Paul could have such surety in the moment. He had a word from God. He understood the moment. And then they tried to lighten the ship, the Bible says, some more. After they had eaten and they were nourished, they began to throw the rest of the wheat into the ocean. And finally, the day breaks and they see a beach and they decide to run the ship aground and let the wind push them into that area. They let go of the anchors and they hoisted the mainsail and the wind begins to drive them into the ground. They get stuck on the ground, but the waves and the wind don't stop. The wind didn't give up because they had reached this land. The waves didn't stop pounding because they were stuck. It kept coming to the point that the ship broke up. That it started cracking and crumbling. And the woods started coming apart. Can you imagine hearing that sound on the ocean? It's still raining. It's still, the wind's still blowing. Things are still happening. And here, all of a sudden, the boat is beginning to crumble. The Bible says it became so desperate that now the prisoner guards, the soldiers decided. We're going to kill every prisoner. In order to survive this, we're not going to let any of them escape. Let's go ahead and kill everyone on this boat, all these prisoners. But the centurion, the Bible says, wanted to make sure that Paul was kept alive. And so in verse 43 of 27, it says the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. When I read 1 Timothy 1.19 having faith and a good conscience which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck i realize that there's a way to avoid shipwreck there's a way that you and i can avoid it there's 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 things that his word has helped us to understand that that we can be we can we can uh, understand the climate we can face the, the, the wind head on. We can do some things. We can stabilize the ship. We can anchor ourselves and we can avoid shipwreck. But I'm talking to people today who I know, you have not all avoided shipwreck. You haven't always made it where you've avoided, you've been through a storm and you've avoided the idea of shipwreck. Sometimes there are circumstances that happen, and if you could go back to the way it all happened, you would do things a little bit different. You would change some things about your life. You would probably make some decisions a little bit different, but you haven't. So what happens when your faith is shipwrecked? What do you do when your faith has been torn apart, when your faith has been broken into pieces? And that's who I want to talk to the rest of this time this morning. I don't have much to go, but I want to encourage some people today. That I know you may have tried and maybe you failed. Maybe you weren't obedient to the faith. Maybe you didn't contend for the faith. Maybe you strayed away from the faith. Maybe you just walked away and that possession of faith you threw away. So what now? Storms are inevitable. Maybe you found yourself unprepared for the storm. Maybe you got into it a little bit. You got into the temptation. You got into the trial. You got into the mess you were in and you you weren't prepared for it. Maybe you were misguided. Maybe you were just a a little bit too unstable in the moment or you weren't anchored the way you needed to be. And your faith has been broken. Your faith has been tossed about. Your faith has been rocked by waves. Now what? What? Yes, by all means, avoid shipwreck. If you can help it, avoid shipwreck. But what if your faith is shipwrecked? Maybe you've cast off your first love. You used to serve God, but now you don't. Maybe you strayed from faith. You've wandered from the truth you once held tightly. Maybe your faith has been shipwrecked. You faced a storm and it left you uncertain about what you Believe. And I hear God saying, like he used Paul to tell those men who face shipwreck, sometimes you just in the middle of all the breakup of your faith, you just swim to shore. You just swim to shore. You don't quite understand the weather. You you couldn't quite stabilize the ship. The, the anchor created issues that you didn't expect, and you you tried to face it, and the ship broke up. Swim to shore. Swim to shore. You may seem like you're over your head at times, but swim on. You may have been weak and you may be weary, but swim on. I've come to tell somebody, don't give up. Maybe your faith is broken up. Maybe you found some pieces. Maybe there's just a little bit of something floating in the ocean of life. Grab a hold of that piece. If you can't swim on your own, grab just a, a little piece of your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Don't give up. Find a piece of faith. It might not be the whole ship that you used to sail in. It might not be what you used to be for God or thought you could ever be for God. But grab a hold of a small piece if you can find it and make your way to the shore where you can find stability, where you can find hope, where you can find healing for your life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I conclude today I'm reminded of Psalms chapter 107 would you stand with me this morning Psalm chapter 107 verse 19 this is for somebody today it says then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses He heard their cry out of the trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and he healed them. Watch what he says. Healed them and delivered them from what? Their destructions. Healed them of their faults. Their failures, their broken faith healed them. He heard their cry floating in the ocean. He heard their cry swimming while the waves rocked and rolled. And dropping down, verse number 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble." They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. Have you been there? Are you there? Going back and forth, facing one thing after another. To and fro, they stagger like drunk men, trying to grab their footing, trying to walk. They can't do it. But he says, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We were in a storm and I hope, I hope that you can avoid shipwreck. I hope that you can avoid messing up your life and dealing with consequences in your life. But if the ship breaks apart If the faith ship Breaks apart And it's uncertain And it's uneasy And you don't know what to do I felt compelled by the Lord To just encourage you to grab a little piece Grab a little piece of something Just a Grain of mustard seed, just a little bit of faith, something that says, God, I can't make this storm without you, I can't do this life without you, I can't walk through this relationship without you. I can't make it another day without you. It's just a little measure of faith. It's just a little voice of faith. It's just a little reaching. I, I, I don't know how to fix everything. I can't tell you today you can fix all of it and put the ship back together all today. But I'm telling you, if you feel wrecked in your spirit, you feel wrecked in your mind, I'm telling you, he can't help you in the storm. Oh hallelujah Oh hallelujah Oh hallelujah I feel led today to pray for people who feel like you're being tossed to and fro You feel pressed, you feel like you're struggling today Maybe you're in the boat Some of you are in the boat And the Lord's given you some things that you can do to try to stabilize what's going on There are some of you who there's just a little bit of faith. It's just wooden planks floating in the ocean that used to be your faith. It used to be your confidence in God. And so today, I'm wondering if somebody would respond to the Lord and say, God, I'll bring that little piece of wood to the altar today. I'll take that plank. I'll I'll bring it to you today because I know that you hear the cry of those who are in distress. I'm inviting you to come today. I don't want to embarrass you, but I wonder if somebody would step out in faith, whatever measure of faith you have, to say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you today. I'm going to put it completely in you today. I wonder if we would have some that come. We're going to pray, and as I'm praying, I want you to come. Lord, I pray for those, God. Those who, God, are in the boat, they're in the church, they're living for you, but the storm is tossing them, the storm is wrestling them. God, I'm praying, I'm praying you would give them wisdom in the storm. I'm praying you would help them stabilize. God, they've got to go through the storm, they have to go through it, but Lord, I'm praying you would stabilize them. I pray you would anchor them, that they would just be obedient to your word. They would say yes to you. They would say yes to your plan. They've tried their own plan. They've tried their own way long enough, but Lord, I pray you would give them confidence in your plan. I pray you would give them courage to make it through the storm, to face it head on. And Lord, I pray for those who have a fractured faith, those who have a faith that's broken up, those who have been scared those who have walked away from you those who have strayed from you i pray oh god call them back to you let them know that you hear their prayer call them back to a place of faith god you're going to rebuild their faith you're going to rebuild their life they're going to be great men and women of faith oh god we look to you for mercy today we look to you for grace today God, none of us can survive the storm without you. None of us can survive these storms without you. Oh, God, we need you in this place. We need you in this place. We need you in this place, oh, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
0: Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio.